your first time with us, or maybe the first time in a while, um, we've been in this series, The Cumulative Effect. And what we've been saying is that as we grow in our faith, as we grow spiritually, formation of any kind doesn't happen overnight, but it happens over time. And we've been referencing this verse in 2 Corinthians. I love the way Paul says it. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I, I wish it wasn't the case sometimes, maybe, that transformation and growth happened one degree at a time. But I don't know about you, but that's what I've seen. It's not an overnight thing. It's, it's day in and day out and year after year. And what we've been doing in this series is just kind of highlighting different areas of our life from you know, parenting to marriage to work. And today we're gonna talk about the cumulative effect when it comes to intentional community. Intentional community. Community is powerful. And I want you to think back at like the best times in your life, the best seasons. Chances are it's because you were surrounded by an incredible group of people. And on the other side, if you look back, maybe the hardest parts of your life and the toughest seasons was because of the community that surrounded you or the lack thereof. And I just wanna make a special shout out here as we talk about intentional community to the youth. I'm talking middle school and high school students. I know community's hard for all of us, but for you, you're in a very delicate ecosystem of community. And maybe you're in a place where you're trying to figure out where are my people, where can I find community, where can I find a place that I belong? I just wanna point you to Traders Point Youth. Traders Point Youth, we would love to have you. We would love to invite you into that community. Sunday nights, like I said, check out the website. You can get all the information that you need. But community is a, a big deal. I love the way that uh, pastor and theologian Eugene Peterson says it. He says, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life, apart from an immersion in and embrace of, say it with me, community. I am not myself by myself. That is such a profound line. I am not myself by myself. It takes me and you coming together, me and you sharpening one another, me and you carrying one another when we can't make that next step. But I also know that when it comes to adults, a lot of us are pretty jaded when it comes to community. And I get it. Like I said, community is definitely where some of the best seasons of our lives are found, but it's also the reason for a lot of the pain and the struggle. And that's that place where, where I got burned. And I know there's a lot of people, even either watching online or even in the rooms today, who are saying, I'm still with God. I still have my relationship with him. I still even come maybe to church on Sundays, but I've decided to do it without you know, the people side of things. And I hear you. It's definitely easier in some ways to avoid the people side of things. 
But I just wanna lovingly encourage you that if that's you, you're missing out on more than you're gaining. And you might be just missing out on the whole point of all of this. You see, when Jesus came, it wasn't just for you, but he came to usher in this new kingdom where me and you would be together. I love the way that it says it in Titus. Look at this. It says, he gave his life to free us. Look at the language here. From every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. Totally, totally committed to doing good deeds. I think it's important to just begin to adopt the language of the Bible. It is not about the individual, but it's about the collective. That it doesn't say God came so that you would be his person. It says God came and now we are his people. That God is doing something. God is creating this new kingdom. God is forming a new community with me and you. And the language that the Bible uses is, is beautiful when it talks about this tight-knit community coming together, all of us, that it refers to God as a heavenly father. And I think we like that idea of a God that, that loves us and meets us with grace and unconditional love. And now we are his sons and daughters, amazing. But there's, there's two parts of that, it's, we're family, and if God's the father, then that means me and you are siblings. See, we're not only sons and daughters of God, but we are also brothers and sisters to one another. So turn to the person next to you and say, hey, family. And some of you just got real bummed, like this is a weird family reunion. I'm not getting the t-shirt. Um, but there's this thing that God is forming us into this new intentional community that he has a very specific purpose for. And he even drills down, if you can go any further than from family, the image that God uses for what this community is gonna be like is the body. It's described as the body of Christ. Think about this. Where Jesus is the head and then me and you come together and we make up the body. And this is the language it uses, that you come in and it's like you're a finger and I'm a toe and you're the eyes and you're the ears. And then somehow all of us coming together form a more holistic body. So for those of you that have said, hey, I, you know what? I hear you, but I'm just gonna step outside of community for a season. Uh, lovingly, I wanna say, no, no, we're gonna need that arm, okay? It's not just yours anymore, but it's a part of all of us coming together. So my, my goal today is, is pretty simple. I want to persuade you to be a part of intentional community and to take the long way around and the day by day, the one degree to the next of what it's gonna take to build intentional community. And you can start today. The other thing I want you to do is if, if you're here and you're like, I think I have community, I just want you to take your community and place it against what we're gonna see from scripture of what intentional community should look like as we live our lives. And, and to do this, we're gonna be in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter four. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and flip there. I'm just gonna set us up a little bit. So the book of Ecclesiastes, it is what's called wisdom literature, wisdom literature. 
And what we see in this very unique writing is that there's this teacher that's kind of looking out and observing the world around him. And over and over again, he's not too excited about all the things that he's seeing. He has this phrase, this word that he uses over and over again, somewhat like 38 times. As he looks out, he says this, he says, hevel. Can you say that with me? Hevel. It's this Hebrew, Hebrew word that a lot of times gets translated as meaningless or empty or, or void. And that's, that's true, but the actual picture that this word would have, would have brought up was um, like one of a vapor or one of smoke. One that you could, it almost looks like you could grab it, but as soon as you do, it just kind of slips through your fingers. Like, do you remember sitting in the back seat as a kid and putting your hand out the window, and the power of the wind would just push against it, and you would try to close your hand, but it, it's just empty. You can never grab it. So over the chapters of this book in Ecclesiastes, the author just points out all these things, and over again, he says, hevel, 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 status, wealth, you know, uh, where we are within society, all of these things, he says, hevel, 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 pleasure, the things that we live for. A lot of times, the things that we are busy cooking and we put community on the back burner for, he says, hevel, hevel, hevel. And so what we're gonna look at today, starting in verse seven, is this, he's gonna do this once again. He's gonna look at something and just know when you see the word meaningless, he, he's saying that hevel idea. And then he's gonna present something that is, that is far from meaningless, but will actually bring a lot of meaning to our lives, and, and that's community. So take a look with me, starting in verse seven. He says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and depressing. So it's this idea that this old kind of teacher figure is looking out into the community and he sees people that are just working, going crazy, stacking up, immensing wealth. But as they're getting to the end of their lives, they realize that they're all alone, that they don't even have anyone to share it with or, or anyone that they're gonna be able to leave it to. So when they're gone, all of this is gone. And he says, that's, it's meaningless. But then he's gonna draw a very different picture here in these next few verses of something that is meaningful, something that can bring meaning to our lives, and it's all around relationships. So take a look at this, verse nine. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So he lays out, you know, all these other things are meaningless, but then he kind of drives in and he says there's actually some really good stuff that comes from being in community, being with other people. 
And so what I want us to do with our time together is just pull out four things from the text of what intentional community should look like, what it can provide for us, and what we should be providing to our intentional communities. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, intentional community, they help us succeed. They help us succeed. That makes sense, right? That's logical. I'm surrounding myself with people. The hope is that because they're around me, I'm better off than I would be alone. That I'm, I'm more successful, that it's holistic too. It's like the people that I'm with, they make me a better husband and father or wife, mother, friend. They make me a better entrepreneur. They make me better at my job, holistically. And I think what you'll see is a lot of times people that are very successful, they have some of the most intentional community. They meet regularly. They have coaches. They have people cheering them on and calling them out for things. A lot of times their intentional community is built around success, entrepreneur, like growing things. Is my business doing better than it was before? And, and that's really good. But I would say it's limited in the way that we're looking at it today. Within the context of intentional community at a church as followers of Jesus, as I place myself in this intentional community, here's the question I'm asking of my group. Are we becoming more like Jesus? We're getting together. Yeah, we love hanging out together. We love sharing meals. I, amazing. But at the end of the day, at the end of the night, at the end of our group, from week in to week out, from one degree to the next, am I helping you become more like Jesus? Are you helping me become more like Jesus? So we see that a part of having an intentional community is having people that rally around you, that want to see you succeed. And isn't that an enough alone in a group, in a world like this, to have people that you know are rooting and cheering for you, right? Yeah. See, some of you don't even have to cheer because you've never heard anybody celebrate you. That's why you need intentional community. The second thing is intentional community helps us when we fall. What the author in Ecclesiastes points to over and over again is that life seems so unfair at times. In most of our lives, it seems like it's spent stumbling or falling. And sometimes we fall because of our own bad decisions. But sometimes we get brought to our knees by circumstances that are out of our control, and we fall. What the author here is pointing to is like, you need somebody on the other side. You need somebody that's walking with you so that when you fall, because you will, you're not going to fall alone. And I, I think a lot of us right now, if, if we're being honest and if the statistics are remotely accurate, most of us don't have anybody to call when we fall. Most of us don't have anyone to reach out to when things are going bad in our lives. We haven't formed that intentional community. So a lot of times we just fall further and further. So what I just wanna do right now is just to give you a tool, a tool to help build intentional community. And it's okay if you don't have names for any of these spaces. But this is part of what it's gonna look like to if you want intentional community, we gotta start filling in these circles. So the first circle that I would say that if we're gonna be serious about having intentional relationships and building them, we're gonna start with that first circle, which is God. We need at all times to make sure our relationship with God is good. Because how that vertical relationship is 
will completely set the tone for who I'm going to be in these other circles, who I'm gonna be able to present myself as in these communities, what I can offer, what I'm willing to share is largely dependent on my relationship with God. So I'm building this community, I'm starting with God as the foundation. That next circle, I would say, is just close friends. And I think this is the circle that's tough for a lot of people. We got a lot of associates, we got a lot of people that kinda know us, a lot of people we like their posts on social media, but these few people, these are the people that I'm talking about like that, that's 3 a.m. type of people. When life really hits hard, when you have nowhere to go, when you are a blubbering mess, who can you call and you know is gonna pick up on that phone? Who are the people that you first, when something good happens in your life, you wanna share it with them? Who are those, who's that the closest in your life? The next circle as we continue to expand out, I would say is church. Church, and I'm very specific on this and I know that not all of your relationships are in the church, but I would say that your closest relationships should exist within the church. Once again, just from that foundational level. If the most important thing in my life is becoming more like Jesus, people outside of the church are gonna love me in a lot of different ways, but they're never really gonna be concerned about how, you know, how much am I looking like Jesus? How much am I growing to be like him? And then there will just be so much overlap if our relationships and our close relationships can be found within the church. We believe in this so much. It's like a whole section of our church and our staff of what we work on. It's called life-giving relationships. Because we know we cannot force you into any kind of relationship. It would get weird real quick. Like you guys are gonna be best friends now, welcome. But what we can do are create environments where it's likely to happen, so that's what we do. That's what groups are. Just an environment where life-giving relationships can happen. That's what Rooted is. It's a place where life-giving relationships can happen. That's what serving, even on some extent, is. That when you're serving here on a weekend, it's not just the people that you're serving. It's the people that you are growing with and sharpening one another as you stand shoulder to shoulder. Like These are all spaces. As I'm looking to fill these circles of who do I want in here? Who am I gonna invest into and who do I want speaking into my life? And then that final circle, I would just say contacts. Just like in the idea of the people that are in my phone, people that I work with, I, have, I at least have their number. Maybe we get together a few times a year, but I need that group of people because there might be some people that eventually I move into one of those smaller circles. Just contacts. And I'd be just, pro tip, if someone gives you their number, immediately save it. Because one of the worst things is when you get something from someone, a text message, and clearly, they saved your number, but you did not save theirs. Now you have to play this real life game of guess who to figure out who's on the other side of this. Because you can't just be like, and who is this? Um, it's like, who do I know from Jackson, Mississippi? You gotta throw out a question like, hey, how's everything going? Hoping that they'll give you some kind of clue of work or family or who is this mystery person. But as you kind of look at these circles, it's okay, no matter where you are, it's just we wanna be intentional about building it. In the first circle, we already got you covered. God goes there, you're welcome. You're already on phase two. Close group of friends, do I have it? Do I need to have an intentional conversation with someone this week 
to say, hey, look, I, I know I can't do life alone. I wanna invite you into this relationship where I'm gonna expect more of you and I want you to expect more of me as well. Church, like we have these next step walls all over our church where you can go and scan and you can place yourself in one of these environments to begin building those relationships, all right? So where are you? We, we don't have intentional relationships because we don't plan for them and we don't design them. So this week, really begin to fill in these circles and say, where am I? And be honest about it. I'd say that's one reason why we don't have it because we don't plan for it. The other one is we desire intentional community without allowing ourselves to be fully known. This is a big one. This is a big one. And here's, the, here's what this looks like in a relationship. I'm afraid to tell you that I've fallen. I'm worried how you will receive me if I am completely honest and open with how much I am struggling. I see this all the time, and I'll be honest with you, most of the conversations that I have with people at our church who are disgruntled about the lack of community that they have, it's this. I'm tired of going to group every week, and all we do is talk about surface level stuff. I cannot pray for someone's grandmother's dog again. It never moves past it. And then we don't talk again until the next week, until the next icebreaker. And they say it just doesn't feel like community. And it's not. That as long as we just throw up this superficial version of us, we're never gonna have intentional community. Because no one can have a real relationship with the fake you. No one can have a real relationship with the fake you. This means we're gonna have to get vulnerable. This means we're gonna have to share. And maybe you're asking, how can I know if I share what I'm really going through that they will accept me? You can't. That's like this tension that we live in. If we have this desire to be both fully known and loved, but we have this fear that if, if, if I have to choose because I don't know if I can truly be known and loved at the same time. But the framework because of Jesus, the framework of a family, of a body, is this idea that you can come to me. This is a place where you belong, that I will meet you right where you are. And this is a safe place where we can grow together. You don't have to pretend to be somebody. We have that here. The next thing that I would say that intentional community provides is it, it brings comfort. It brings comfort. The way that it talks about it here in the scriptures is that, you know, if one person lies down, they can't keep themselves warm. But when two people lie down together, now they can provide comfort to one another. But there is a time where maybe, obviously, this is the book, it's a book of wisdom, it works most of the time. The only time I've seen this, maybe you've experienced this too as a married couple, is that sometimes you lay down and you can actually get too warm that this other person is so hot and the other person is so cold and you put them together and it's, it's zero fun sometimes. You're like, what are you doing? Why are you so hot? Why are you so cold? Are you alive? Why do your toenails feel like that? Why do they feel like jagged rocks? Because I ripped them off with my fingers and now they're just like, oh. Hypothetically. But this is this idea that when we come together, I provide comfort to you. I provide you with something that you could not provide for yourself. 
And if you look through the scriptures, the New Testament specifically, it is filled with life being done like this. This is what the church was marked by, one another. This is the phrase that's used over and over again, these calls for how we live in this intentional community we call church, it says one another. And I just, you can do a study this week to look at all of the different ones, but I just wanna give you a few. And you can take a screenshot of this when we're done, but here's just a few of the one another's, the way that we bring comfort to one another in our relationships. We honor one another. We share each other's burdens. Here's this idea that if I'm trying to carry a couch by myself, really difficult to do. But if you get up on that other side, we can carry this thing together. It is much easier. We stir one another up to acts of love and good work. So it's not just that I have people in my life when things are going bad and I'm kind of falling and I need someone to help me up. No, it's, it's when I'm up, they're making me better. They're encouraging me, they're motivating me, they're inspiring me to do more with my life and to give more of myself. And then here's one. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Once again, we're coming back to that place of transparency that I'm going to open myself up to you, I'm gonna confess my sins to you that I don't wanna say out loud, but I'm gonna trust that you're not gonna meet me with condemnation, but you are gonna meet me in this moment, and you're gonna encourage me, and you're gonna point some things out, but then you're gonna pray over me, and I'm gonna trust you with all of that. And then the next one, just a kind of over blanket type of thing, we're gonna serve one another in this intentional relationship. In this intentional community, we are doing things for one another. We are bringing comfort to one another. And I just want to say, a lot of times in life-giving relationships, it's incredible. There's big highs. There's encouragement. There's that text message. There's people cheering you on and clapping and celebrating your name and pushing you, and it's amazing. But at the same time, intentional community is not just a bunch of yes men or yes women. There are people that you're inviting into your life to convict you. There are people that you're inviting into your life that you're saying, you see my blind spots, I need you to call them out. Can you do that for me? And then you have to let them do that for you. It reminds me of, I think it's Proverbs 27, six, that wounds of a friend can be trusted. You know, um, over the past like month or two now, I've been really struggling with some back pain. Um, I, was, I was working out, I mean, you guys know how it goes, right? Um, and I messed up the left side of my back, and I was like, oh, that's a real bummer. Um, and waited a little bit, it got better, I started working out again, messed up the right side of my back. I'm like, I just, I, I, this is beyond me, I need some help with this situation. So there's a phys physical therapist at our West Campus, I'm having a conversation with him, I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling. He invites me in to come check him out. I tell him what's going on. I tell him I'm lifting weights. He's like, how much are you lifting? I'm like, I don't think that's important. Um, <laughs> but I messed up the left side and I messed up the right side. He said, okay, um, I'll be honest with you, it sounds like it's, it's your pelvis. I said, okay. And he said, so um, we're gonna have to check your pelvis. Do you know how we do that? No? Um, <laughs> I could, I could imagine. Uh, he says, well, we're gonna start with your ankles. I said, that's way better than what I had in my mind. Let's do, <laughs> let's do your way. Um, so he checks my ankles, and yeah, my, one's longer than the other. Like, we, we gotta, he says, okay, we're gonna need to reset your pelvis today. 
all right, let's, um, let's get into it. And he starts moving me around, pushing one way, and then I can't tell you what happened next, but I know my knees are up, he tells me to squeeze, and then a moment, he sent lightning through my body, through the most inner parts of who I am. And I audibly gasped. I was like, oh! He said, yeah, uh, I couldn't tell you because then you wouldn't have done it. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. But then he said this. He said, you might hate me today, but you'll love me tomorrow. And what I wanna say about life-giving relationships, about intentional community, is sometimes it's gonna feel like getting your pelvis reset. Welcome to Trader's Point. Uh, but it's this idea that I know it's not for my harm, but it's for my good. I'm gonna be challenged, convicted, but I know at the end of the day I'm gonna be comforted. And while I have you too, I, I just wanna encourage you to come back next week. Next week is this special interview with someone who goes to our church and just kind of her story as her and our lead pastor sit down and talk about what it was like to bring comfort to her husband who battled ALS. But then there's this sweet part of her story too. It was all about community and how she opened the doors and how people surrounded her and she was able to do what she never would have been able to do alone. That's the first part. The second part is Mother's Day is next Sunday. Write that down, buy something, get plans ready. This is your infomercial, all right? I saved you, you're welcome. No excuses, but make sure you come back for that. And here, here's the last thing that, that, that I wanna say that intentional community brings us. It helps us to withstand ongoing attacks. Because maybe you're in this season right now where you're like, hey, life is actually going pretty good. I don't know if I need as many people as I did in that season or when I was really struggling or when I was trying to make it or when I was really early on. I, I just wanna encourage you that the hits are gonna keep on coming. There's gonna be a new thing that shows up. I saw this thing this past week that said adulting is pretty much just continuously saying, eh, I can't wait for next week for things to slow down. And then you die. Like that's the whole, that's the whole thing. But it's this idea that I'm gonna surround myself, I'm gonna stand shoulder to shoulder with people that when the attacks come, that what would have taken me down if I was by myself, now that I have people around me, I can withstand it. And now I'm moving so that people aren't having to pick me up from the ground, but I'm getting hit, but I'm still moving forward. And here's the question I have for you. Do you have that? When you think about your community, your people, how does it compare to the intentional community that we see in Ecclesiastes? And here's just a summary of that. They help us succeed, it helps us when we fall, brings us comfort, helps us to withstand ongoing attacks. Like these are the things that should be true of our communities. These are the things that we should be provided, they're coming to us, and the things that we provide to one another. And that's the homework this week, to begin identifying and building that intentional community because it changes literally everything. And it will bring so much meaning and so much fullness to your life. And the good things become better and the hard things actually become manageable when we have other people. You know, this has really stuck out to me over the past few years of how important it is to be surrounded by community. It's shaped where we live. 
It was a few years ago, we were looking to move and I had some ideas of where we were gonna go and things went left and, and then we had an opportunity though to move and to live one house down from some of our best friends. Now it wasn't in the district we were looking at, it wasn't in the place of town, but how often do you get to have your best friends one house down? And on top of that, some other of our best friends were five minutes down the road and some others were 10 minutes down the road. It really just kind of laid on me of like, if I want real community, where I can be transparent, where we can be together, then proximity matters. It is the best decision I've ever made to have people that are literally built into my street, people that I can look to and the people that hold me up, people that I can lean on in different seasons. I mean, this is the whole reason why we went multi-site. Maybe you've wondered that. Like, why are there so many of these locations? Who do you think you are? We don't go to these places necessarily even foremost to reach new people. The reason we start these campuses is because people are already there. There's people that live in that community that are driving 20, 30, 40 minutes, an hour to get to another campus. So we said, hey, that's no place for with community can't live like that. So we go to where the people are and then new communities are formed. And people that once couldn't come to a church are now coming to a church because their neighbors are inviting them. And it's not this distance thing, but they're actually doing life together. That's what we're seeing at the multi-sites. That's why we keep going and that's why we're not stopping because community matters. The other thing that I wanna put out in front of you is if you're here, and you don't believe in Jesus. If you're just here, you're on the fringes for one, one reason or another, I just wanna say, if you take those principles of all the things that are found in community, if you build those circles of intentionality, your life will be better. You will have friendships. But it won't be complete. Because the only thing that makes these relationships move like they should and withstand the amount that they can withstand and will help shape us into the image that God has created us in is Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is that first circle. And from that relationship, all other relationships are built on. And if you're here today, you need to know that, that God wants a relationship with you. No matter what community you're from, no matter what past you have, with him, it is without a doubt, you can be fully known and fully loved, that he wants to be in an intentional relationship with you. Look at the way it closed out in Ecclesiastes chapter four. It says, three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And a lot of scholars and theologians agree the third core, that third piece of that cord is God himself. That our relationships, we don't just have to do it with me and you, but that he would want to be a part of it. That our God wants to be with us. I love the, if you look at Jesus' prayer in John 17, look at this. He says, I pray, these are the words of Jesus, that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world would believe you sent me. Capture this. There's a God of this universe, creator of all things, and what he wants is a people to call his own. What he wants is for you to be in a relationship with him, for him to be in you and for you to be in him. This is where our identity is found. This is where our worth is found. Not in the communities we come from, 
not in the communities we never thought that we could fit into, but from this community, from God himself, which starts with this. You are made in the image of God you belong. You are worth everything. Your value is not determined by what you do or what's been done to you. Your value is already determined on the cross, which screamed to a watching world that you are worth dying for. And it didn't end there. That after Jesus would live that life for you and die for you, welcoming you into this new community with God himself, he would seal you with his Holy Spirit that God would come and live inside of us so that we could be equipped and empowered and brought into that relationship with Jesus to be filled and then to go out and pour ourselves out, living in community with one another as brothers and sisters in this new community. That's what we get. And I just wanna encourage you today, if you have not stepped into that community, let it be today. Do not leave here without talking to someone. What we wanna do right now is just pray. Pray, and I pray that God, that God would just nudge you and that today would be the day that you step into this new community that is, that is for you. Would you pray with us? God, thank you so much for all that you've done, for all that you are, God, for how you moved and what you've made possible. God, don't let us shortchange what the life you've had for us. Don't let us believe for a second that we can do it alone or that we should do it alone. God, don't let us believe for a second that we would not be met with anything other than grace and love from you. And God, we pray right now for anyone in the room who has not received that love, who is not walking in an intentional community with you, God, I pray that could happen right now. Make that prayer your own. Jesus, I want to be in a relationship with you. Father, strengthen us, seal us, unite us, Bring us together, let us be your body. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for the gift of community. It is in your perfect and holy name we pray, amen.